everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rift Reaction MSI Edition. I'm joined right now, as always, by Emily Rand, who is not in California right now, but is also not in Korea right now, but is... Where are you at, Emily? I am in Berlin, Germany. Berlin. I just got I'm, in last night, like super late last night. I'm a little confused because my understanding is the event is happening in Korea. So did you fly to the wrong location? No, actually, Travis, you may or may not know this, but the... English language production is out of the LEC studio this year. Ah, okay, okay. Well, <laughs> so actually, there are probably some people who don't know that. I would, I would bet, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, um this round of uh, games, though, lore will be on site for interviews with players. So previously, we had Yinsu doing them remotely, and she actually, I thought, did super super well uh and then lore has been in korea uh doing her quarantine for the past week and so she'll be starting stage interviews at Mexico. awesome well enough about lore how are you doing how's the flight how's germany are you <laughs> um, have you seen anybody yet uh i met up with goldberg before he headed back to copenhagen uh tomorrow which was cool every there are so many people that i like past like ships in the night like the a bunch of people who were here for um the the group stage and then additionally one of my super close friends was here for a k-pop concert and we literally like crossed each other in the air um as she was leaving berlin so that was really sad uh but yeah i mean my flights themselves were fine the six hour layover in heathrow was not fun when you haven't slept in like 24 hours you had a six hour layover oh man yeah right, right. it was to book better flights well so this one actually is not their fault because the flight they booked only had like a two-hour layover which is fine because you know you have to get from one end of the airport to the other a lot of uh international like not from europe flights arrive in a different terminal but uh it got pushed back twice before uh, okay. yeah so like uh they i got updates like so i knew this is going to happen before i flew but like it wasn't their fault because the flight they initially booked me yeah well we've stalled long enough I know, we, right? have to, we have to talk about msi emily and before we both lose our jobs after the <laughs> like, oh, okay. the podcast is over no no no. we could we could say we could say whatever we want they, they've, yeah. we've always had that that relationship with uh Spotify, oh, which is is important to I know some people don't know. It's important to us that we can we can see whatever we want, so we're going to. And unfortunately, it's been a rough MSI so far. Hopefully, things will get better. Seems like they've learned <laughs> a lot. But um, oh god, where do we start? Okay, well let's just start talking about the games first, because at least then that's we'll talk about the technical issues and all the, the kind of <laughs> drama later. But uh group a group b group c i will be honest uh emily i haven't done hotline league yet but i'm gonna say this there too i have not found the event very exciting to watch so far i think mostly because of the groups um and so i'm curious i i know you're excited about saigon buffalo but i'm curious like where are you finding you'll always find places to be excited so where are you finding the joy in this event so far 
Um, so yeah, definitely the Saigon Buffalo Detonation Focus Me games were the highlight of the group stage for me. These were two teams that were evenly matched and uh, in, in you know a few cases and had like both like really interesting ways of approaching the game, which meant the matchup between them was also really interesting. And those games were just like very um, bloody and fun, but they also had a lot of cool things that, for example, I was looking at the last game they played and like Steel had some really great uh, responses in the early game against BJ in his pathing. And like, it was just really fun games to watch from those two. Those are the the highlight moments uh, for me, considering I think Group C, there was one game where EG could have properly beaten G2 and didn't. There was one game where G2 punted the game to them and then they still couldn't win. And in most cases, even in those two games I mentioned, EG was very thoroughly outclassed by G2's understanding of the map, especially when it got to mid-game. Um and then order was like just significantly below. So well, so let's let's talk about last week's poll because it plays into this pretty well. So last week we asked you guys, what MSI group are you most excited about? Uh, group A, eighteen percent. Group B, four percent. Group C, seventy eight percent. So the vast majority, which doesn't surprise me too much because I think we have mostly Western audience, yeah. so they're excited for the LEC LCS face off. But I mean, I don't think. Well, I don't think that Group C results are shocking at all, but it is... I had somebody tell me that, like, it perfectly demonstrates the gap between these three regions, right? And and also where North America is as a region. It's like we're, generally speaking, solidly behind the three other major regions and solidly ahead of the wider regions. And so we're just kind of this, like... I don't know what comes between major and minor neutral or something. I don't know. We're this region that exists right there. I mean, there's no better indication. I think than the G2 going eight, you know, us going four and four and order going zero eight. Um, that pretty much sums it all up. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, are there, do you think that there's any way you can have any takeaways about the relative strength of, of G2 from this? Like, because I, I think I saw Peter Dunn tweet something else, something out after the games, basically like, oh, is the takeaway that like G2 is like really, really good, so EG was never going to beat them? Or is the takeaway that like G like EG sucks because G2 is like not actually that great? You know what I mean? I think EG has a lot they can learn from G2, and if they act like they did in the NA season earlier this year, I think they could look better, uh, especially with some different drafting in the Rumble stage. That doesn't mean they'll win more games. I'm just saying they could get better in terms of what they can learn from G2 macro-wise, especially like early to mid-game. And then G2, I'm really unsure about where to put because I said this previously I actually think they have a pretty strong matchup play style wise with how they play with Caps and Yonkos into what um, RNG and T1 want to do. But then the question becomes like, okay, but all of the other factors that have made RNG and T1 successful in their regions, which are 
the two best regions in the world unequivocally from like top to bottom. So then you have to see like, what did G2's performance teach me in group C? Well, to be fair, not, not much. Like I still have the same feelings about them that I did going into the entire event that, uh, that I do now going into rumble. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Fair enough, really. I, I don't think anybody was, and, and there's been, you know, kind of some retroactive history or however you want to describe it, but, like, I don't think anybody was really expecting uh, G2, or sorry, EG to come in here and, like, smash or anything, so I don't really feel like there's too many people that are surprised by this. I don't know, maybe some would disagree with me, but it is still, I don't know, it's, it's speaking to the broader uh, situation with the event and the the format <laughs> i think it is unfortunate because especially for the mostly western audience or for this western audience that we're speaking to group c was kind of this hope that we would get something exciting mm-hmm. out of this stage out of the group stage and i don't really feel like that's really what happened and so it was kind of like oh maybe this will be cool because like what we're going to see is RNG and T1 just crush it in their groups. And so maybe we'll see some exciting matches from this, but it didn't, I don't know, but fa- especially the fact that it just ended up being 4-0 for G2, I think was a bit of a struggle. So, well, I guess let's open up the next yeah. can of worms, which is the format, uh, because that leads us to the format. Uh, Emily, you and I started this show last year at msi and complaining about the format (laughs) well it's funny because we went back and forth a little bit on the format like there was a moment in time where we're like oh this is kind of cool and then the next episode we'd be like ah this isn't so cool i'm curious if we end up doing something similar here where like maybe the rumble stage will really deliver and we're gonna be like this is where it's super exciting but i don't know i assume you're on board with the general sentiments that this format is not great So I'll say this, I've given a lot of thought to the format. Um, I do think you're right where we were like, initially, this sucks, because like, who wants to watch RNG play? Oh, so many games Actually, I think it was initially, sorry, I think initially we liked it. Like we, I think we- Was it groups was good, Rumble was bad? No, 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 I think we did an episode, I think we did an episode halfway through groups, and there had been some early good games, and then after that, there were some like bad games games or something like that so i don't know but whatever either way we were very we need, we need to go back and watch this now yeah. but so i think the thing that this msi has pointed out um is that when you have a championship like worlds you have multiple teams from the major regions which means that not only do you get the best in every region but you get another like pool of teams that aren't maybe as good or just happen to have a different play style that lost so the general groups come out a little bit more interesting i still am always going to have my issues with best of ones i've said this publicly so many times riot already knows they're never changing it um but the thing about msi is that if you take the concentration of minor region teams to major region teams it's a lot higher by virtue of the fact that one every region is only sending one team. And so I think one of the quality of life changes they could do is make it so that you have other 
teams from the major regions coming to compete because part of it is just that because of how few teams there are and because of COVID and now the war affecting whether teams can attend the tournament, we've actually had uh, several tournaments now where a team hasn't attended. And at Worlds, it didn't matter as much because there are so many other teams. But last year at MSI, I think the VCS presence or lack of uh, representation was felt. I think... um, this year, while LCL isn't a major region, just having another team in these groups would have made that Group C situation feel a lot like less bad because it was so stratified. Um, I, I just think having more teams would be a very easy quality of life adjustment if they want to continue. And then additionally, I know something that people have brought up that's always really difficult is that do we bring back the IWCI? which is the International Wildcard Invitational, and have, you know, PCS and VCS maybe send, like, two seeds to that since they're the top regions, and then everyone else sends one seed and have that tournament. I know the drawback to that is that fewer people watch, and the idea when they changed it was that they didn't get competition against major regions, but, like, It's also, like, I know people were talking about this specifically with A's, right? It's, like, not fun for them to get absolutely decimated by T1 and be, like, visibly heartbroken on stage. Like, and that's not fun for anyone. Like, it's not fun for me as a viewer, right? It's not like it was a good, unexpected match. It's just, like, this team is so outclassed that they cannot do anything. And, like, I don't know what they learn from that, right? Like... There's a gap that gets so high that it's really difficult to learn from. Yeah, I think it's an interesting situation because you have Riot, who I believe, you know, they've never said this, but I believe personally that one of the major reasons why they made this change is for viewership reasons, because people were not watching plans that much. But if you drop an LPL team in there, and maybe you know G two or whatever some of these major region teams suddenly you get folks that are watching the earlier stages of MSI because they want to watch their team. The problem is you're doing this to the detriment of essentially like the brand of the event because right now we're seeing MSI as a product take a major hit on its brand because people are like well beyond the other reasons we'll get to shortly. People are like, this format sucks. We don't like this. Like, it is not fun. And you also have had, for years and years, Riot be insistent on only having two real international events a year and having one of them be MSI where you only get one team from each region. People are frustrated about this because there's a lot of other esports events or esports ecosystems where you get far more international events. And those international events usually have a lot of teams at them, not just one from each region. So it's it's fascinating to me because, you know, if Riot wants to increase MSI viewership and wants to optimize for that, guess what? They could probably just invite more teams like that. It it seems like an easy solution to me, but there's this sort of fear from them for a long time that like, oh, well, is this going to interfere with the sanctity of the world championships where you actually do get the best levels of competition with the most teams, you know, because at a certain having one, one team from each of the major regions is a lot different than having three or four, uh, <laughs> like you do at worlds. So 
I uh, I don't know. I think they should just bite the bullet, reconstruct MSI around the idea of having at least two teams from each major region, like you just said. Maybe NA only really gets to send one. I don't know. It, it depends on how many teams you want or whatever. And then, like, and then there's... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, alternatively, accepting that... And I mean, this would be kind of funky depending on the amount of teams because I haven't done the math out and it could end up in an odd am- number of teams. But if you want to be like, well, North America is the worst of the major regions, so we're going to send their second seed team with... VCS, PCS as like the top seeds of the play-in portion. Like I think that could help with viewership as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that like that's another thing they could do depending on like the amount of teams they're inviting from major regions. You can just do what essentially is done at play-ins now, where the fourth seed, some fourth seeds end up in the play-in portion, like at Worlds. Right. Yeah, no, I think there's there's a lot of ways to do this. It's just, I don't know. It, you have to start being willing to spend more money on the event, perhaps, or uh, ex- you know, change the timing of it. There, I mean, there's obviously a lot to consider. I don't want people to think it's just as easy as flipping a switch, but like, I think I I hope that even if the rest of this event goes really well, that the takeaway for Riot isn't well, you know, look, we saved it. Everything's good because these problems are going to keep propping, uh, cropping up again. So I don't know. All right, let's talk about some other issues. Uh, games have been officially replayed after being completed. I think this is a first in at least Lolly Sports history from what I understand globally like on at global events and maybe also for the major regions maybe I've missed something that happened some crazy time in LPL or something but uh, are you aware of anything like this happening before Emily I feel like it has to have happened at some like Demacia Cup or NEST but I can't think of anything off the top of my head even the most scuffed tournament I watched where there was this weird ruling where like someone misinformed Dade, who at the time was on Masters 3, in a match against EDG where the ping was just going so crazy, like, no one could even load in the game. Like, the game just kept crashing. They were like, okay, we'll just push the minions to finish, and we'll, like, remake the entire thing. Because he was the only one that could load in the game. He did, he pushed the minions, and they awarded the win to EDG because that ref was not informed about the actual rules, which was Obviously, you should show as I'm saying this. This is a minor tournament. It wasn't LPL or anything. Like, that's the worst I can think of in terms of, like, prior competitive integrity stuff. And that did not get remade. Yeah, I I just think this is, is wild. And the fact that it happened at an international event and the fact that it... Okay, all right. Just uh, let me just do the quick summary for everybody who hasn't caught this because maybe you've been sleeping. So, as we've discussed on previous episodes, uh, RNG had to play remotely from Shanghai. They were not able, because of the situation, to fly to Korea, so they were playing from their training facility. Now, when the event started, there was already some drama because they don't have a ref in there. 
they don't have the correct camera set up or the camera set up that people think that they should have. Uh, and so it's a little scandalous. Now, the explanation has been that because of the case and situation in Shanghai, you can't actually get like a ref to it because you can't, there's not necessarily like open levels of travel. And so uh, there was already like some drama happening there. Then we start to have players, and I think this might have even been on our last episode where we were interviewing a couple of the MSI players where they had said, like, the ping is weird. It feels weird. Like, it does not feel consistent. It feels odd. It doesn't feel like 35, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so after the first three days of MSI, RNG had played three games, one day, one game in each, uh, each day, and... Riot had been uh, uh, investigating the ping situation because they had artificially increased the latency at the venue to try to create a latency equal to what RNG would be experiencing playing all the way from Shanghai. Now, what Riot found after three days was that they had made a mistake. Um, and we don't need to get into how, what that mistake is. There, There's like a tech blog and an explanation, all the stuff that's on there website which you can go take a look at but suffice to say teams that were playing at the venue had a higher ping than those than rng because they had accidentally made the, the ping the latency too high and so there was an imbalance and the way that the games were played rng had an inherent advantage because of the ping difference and so riot and it's like hard to give them credit for this because there's these other mistakes. It's like, how do you give somebody credit when they've already made a bunch of mistakes or mess ups? But still, I do think they deserve some credit for not just like quietly changing this and sweeping it under the rug, but instead they uh, said, Hey, we made this mistake. RNG had this advantage. We're going to replay all three of these games. Now, thankfully for Riot, thankfully, there was an expectation and it came true that LPL would just win all those games again. RNG would because of the, the because of the funky format, <laughs> they were, they avoided the world where a game had pl been played. And then, uh, you know, the result ended up different. The results ended up the same. Uh, but it is still absolutely wild. And it's, they had to be replayed because of this. There were already a lot of fans that were upset about, the fact that RNG was included in this tournament in the first place. And there were some questions about, you know, a lot of fans I think are skeptical about, are you just doing this because of the viewership bonuses from having RNG play? Like what the, what's the deal? And so uh, there's already, I think some, uh, I don't know, eroding trust or whatever. Now RNG fans are very upset about the fact that they had to be replayed. And RG came out with a statement, which was a little protesty. Uh, and, and T1 fans are very passionate and they're frustrated about this. So now there's kind of like a, a very vicious, um, with, in some cases from what I can tell, like, uh, racist undertones, uh, fight between our, um, the LCK fans and LPL fans where like us LCS and maybe LEC fans are just kind of standing on the sidelines going like, holy crap. But Emily, did I do enough of a good job of explaining everything? Did I miss everything, anything? Uh, I mean, like all situations, I think this can't solely be explained in like, you know, less than five minutes. But for as, as much time as we have, uh, yeah, that's a pretty a pretty good overview. Um, the thing that I want to point out that 
not many people are talking about, but I think is kind of something also to think about that affects the competitive integrity of this tournament um, is that I know when I believe in our interviews, it was Broken Blade who was talking about how he's like, I think the ping will be fine as long as we don't keep getting these fluctuations because in practice they'd been getting fluctuations. I believe it was him, but if someone, uh, yeah, if it wasn't him, it was either Biopanther or Inspired, one of our interviewees. Um, but now I'm th- I'm wondering like how much that affected other games where RNG were not involved, right? Because if you're having lag spikes up to, I believe, 60 ping, it in a match between two teams, even on site, that still affects the not just quality of the game, but like the integrity of the game as a competitive thing. And so like, well, obviously everything was a wash there and they were like, okay, well, you know, they were playing with the same disadvantages, which is true. Um, I, I wonder how much it also affected like the way that other teams performed at times. Right. Um, Cause I know like there are a lot of mistimed things that I've seen at this event from players that I know are, you know, better than what I've seen from them, um, making a very obvious visible mistakes in timing. And that's that's due to ping. And that will happen on, on 30, 35 as well. But um, that's also something that's been in, in my mind. Like, it's really, really unfortunate. And it it casts an equal, if not larger amount of doubt over this event than would have been happened if there was an asterisk next to it if RNG had not attended. Um, you know, if Riot had accepted their declining. So there's like a lot of stuff going on with this. Uh, I mean, another weird thing to think about is how like you and I have talked about the past because of the timing of MSI, um, how some teams have hinted that they would rather not attend and focus on resting going into summer for Worlds qualification, which is like obviously not what Riot wants, but like it... And, and it's not what I want. I want more international events regardless. But, like, it puts into perspective, like, how awkward MSI is as an event and how no one seems to know where exactly to put it in terms of competition, even when we're not having all of these issues. And now that we are having all of these issues, it just feels really bad. Like, there are so many things about this tournament where, like, I, I am excited to see teams. Like, I was... And, uh, you know, continue to be in the after effect. Like, I, I, those uh, Saigon Buffalo Debt FM matches were awesome. Like, they're really fun to watch. And it just sucks that there has to be this gray cloud slash asterisk over the entire event still. Like, it just makes me feel really bad as someone who's, like, incredibly passionate about the game and about watching international competition. Yeah, I think it's... It's rough. Uh, I mean, I look, I'm not advocating for this, but it is one of those hilarious situations where you almost wonder, like, would all of this be better if MSI did not exist and you just had one international event? Now, I don't, I'm not saying, you can't see me, I'm waving my hands, so defensively, I am not saying we should go down to only one. (laughs) Let's talk to the listeners. I'm not saying we should only go down to one international event. 
but it's it's it is true that I think Riot has focused so much on trying to make sure that Worlds feels like the biggest thing that to your point where there's been like rumors that some teams don't even want to attend MSI it's it it's almost like well have you made MSI or have you made Worlds too big compared to MSI so discrepancy so much that like people care a lot less about this event so I don't know we'll continue to talk about MSI as the event goes on uh, not just in terms of the games but also in terms of the format and takeaways and sort of whatever I'm sure we'll we'll even do like a wrap up episode after MSI is done to talk about it in retrospect but um, yeah it has been it has been wild uh, yeah. so it's been it, it's like cast a shadow over everything and it sucks yeah you know like I do it just sucks I do want to say that like the one thing I wish had been different was that riot had had they are usually in my opinion very good at proactive communication and I've talked about this a lot before um, and they have been reactive constantly on this and they had the same thing at MSI last year whenever they had the game situation um, where it was something around flights and all that I, I forget exactly what the details were but they had to put out a statement there yeah There's where they didn't been, inform Tom one as to what why the schedule the was schedule, the way it was. Yes. Yeah, it was, that was really frustrating too. Yes, and so I think they have had a lot of communication issues around global events recently, and I I am surprised, I guess, that they have not learned from this so far. So hopefully they do this time. All right, <laughs> let's talk about... Well, okay... I'll talk about it in my reaction shot, but let's talk about <laughs> uh, Q&A and our, our Q&A from last week, which was, what are your way too early MSI MVP predictions? So what do we got here? Some people did Emily. not understand the assignment and no. they just named players that they liked. Or teams, or, or or even champion picks. Shout out to Mayo who said Nash, NASA support will be picked at least once. Um, there were there were uh, Sean said Shaohu, the King of Spring will lead RNG to an upset over T1. Um, Evie Cedric, I'm sorry, I know you're a regular here too. Uh, he's not continuing, which is sad. We have Faker Karia Kuma, I think is a. Uh, Caria, for those that don't know, is 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 very good, and also my way too early MVP prediction. A decent amount of Danny, uh, which is not. I mean, uh, Danny and JoJo. There were a lot of EG fans that were really hyped going into this, and um, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. At least, unless things change dramatically. Uh, but there's also a lot of people saying caps, which yep. I think is great because he definitely. It. I mean, people have been really excited with his performance. We'll have to see what happens when he ends up against you know Faker, for instance. But uh, he, I think, has been really showing up at this event. So shout out to Danny who said Zeus should get should uh, Zeus will not get it, but should honestly. And it's amazing how well he holds his own. Which Chronicler will be very happy with that assessment. Um, I, I see some owner in here and I want to shout out 
Cheese Dog 3 and Tomo 74 for that because uh, Owner is someone that I don't think will get MVP because of all the other stars on this team. But as I said, I believe on this very podcast, to Joe Marsh, he would be like my most improved. I think he's improved so much. Um, you know, especially with the way that T1 kind of previously has a history of like really grinding down their chunglers over the years. Like owner, his improvement and his coordination with the team is just so good. And I've been really excited to see that. So I'm happy to see some owner in here but yeah a lot of caps there's some jojo there there's a there seems to be a mid bias there's faker there's jojo there's caps there's a lot of shaohu yeah no i mean mid laners are i don't know they they tend to oftentimes be the stars of the show all right before we get into this week's q a and poll i do want to make a quick note we, we did not have a chance yet to talk about niski getting announced because that was right around the time we were recording last week doing our interview and all that stuff because we've had the, the wonky schedule so we should talk about niski and jensen uh because that's been officially announced joining c9 we'll talk about the rest of c9's roster another time but <laughs> kind of fun uh you know stepping away from msi for a second to see that both of these mid laners who i think it was kind of funny because folks were memeing them that they were both teamless uh, it is it is fun to see both of them find spots for the summer. I don't know if you have any any big thoughts on it. Quick, Emily, before we we yeah, uh, I mean talk we, about it in a later episode. But we covered this unofficially, right? Uh, so these are the official announcements. I thought C9's roster announcement was like really cheesy and dumb, but I I laughed. Um, and then Niski. I mean, anyone who's heard me speak on Niski on this podcast elsewhere knows uh how much i think of him as a player i think he's incredibly smart i think whoever ends up being his jungler which in this case will be elioya is going to be very happy with Niski because his understanding of the game works really really well with his junglers so yeah i i'm excited for it i think it's fascinating there was a time where there was a general assumption that Jensen would never go back to C9 mm-hmm. and and that C9 was not particularly interested in having Jensen come back. And so I think what I like, I'm just interested to know kind of what went on behind the scenes. I, I hope that Same. at some point in time we find out. <laughs> I just wonder if it was like both both sides were like, uh, OK, well, we don't not not to say that there's like terrible Bad, bad blood but it seems like they were both able to pit if if there were any issues they seem to be able to move on from them and pit them behind them which i think is is interesting so uh, we'll talk more about roster changes and all that in a future episode obviously this one had a lot to talk about mm-hmm. with regards to msi so back to msi really quickly for this week's q a and poll we want to know we've obviously talked a lot about msi and our thoughts on it so and this week's Q&A, what have you thought about MSI so far? Feel free to open up the Spotify <laughs> app and drop your takes in. We'll talk about those on next week's episode. Uh, but we'd love to hear what you've thought about it uh, based off of the group stage. Then we'll also talk about this week's poll, which is, do you think T1 will drop a game in Rumble stage, yes or no? This was Emily's idea for this week's poll. I think it's quite a fun yeah. one because... We're going to have to, we'll, we'll get to see everybody's predictions before that takes place on the, the 20th. All right, let's get into reaction shots. You want to go first, Emily? Yeah, because mine, well, or do you want to end on a sour note? Uh, we'll start with a happy, happy note. <laughs> um, I am so happy to see 
uh, Vietnamese teams back at international events. I think a lot of people, and I know I said this in our episode last week, I think a lot of people were sleeping on Saigon Buffalo because they were automatically looking at the results, being like, they lost to GAM 3-1 in the finals, they're obviously shit, um, and that is not the case. I'm not saying that they're peerless, they obviously make a lot of mistakes, but they are such a fun team to watch. Um, They've kind of inherited the and pushed forward the narrative of how bloody uh, VCS teams are. I know in a in a document done by uh, shout out to VCS English team who put together this amazing doc for anyone who was on broadcast on Saigon Buffalo went through all the players. Um, they were like, for those that remember Vietnamese teams, you'll think that nothing's changed, and of the teams. In the VCS, Saigon are actually one of the most bloody, if not the most bloody team. So they're kind of like pushing that playstyle to the max. I thought um, they were so fun to watch at this event. Their champion picks have been really interesting. Um, their playstyle is really interesting. They will always give you something um, that is unique and fun, uh, even in kind of a you know, stompy game against uh, T1. Um, and so obviously, yes, they were outclassed by T1 in their group, but they were just so fun to watch. And I've missed that because the Vietnam as a region, their teams have such a unique look at how to play the game and how to play the map that even like LPL, which is the major region known for like super aggression, doesn't do. Um, and so it's just been great to see them back like i have really loved watching the saigon buffalo team i'm happy that they made it to rumble stage so i get to keep watching them all right for me i am curious where the schedule is uh <laughs> so there's been some discussion about this but if you go to lolesports.com and you click on schedule and you go to msi it says no future scheduled matches for your selection uh, normally in the past, even when we didn't know, like you, you could usually look ahead at a tournament and it would even show you like TBD, TBD for at least the timing of the matches. So you would, you would know, okay, they're taking place on this day at this time. And, and we do actually know what day and what time they're taking place at. I, I should mention because it's been previously discussed and so you can go to like third party websites and find it. But I think it's a little not great from just getting people to prepare themselves for weird sleep schedules or weird timing that like if you go to their website you can't find any information on when matches are taking place um but i think also the bigger issue is we don't know what games are happening and when and that's the bigger thing because we don't know for instance is you know, an EGG2 match happening on the first day? If so, is it happening early in the schedule or at the end? Because there's about, you know, seven hours of broadcast, six or seven hours of broadcast. Like, that's a really wide range. And as we record this, um, and maybe this is up by the time that this podcast goes up, but as we record this, the, the matches are kicking off in a little bit over 48 hours. Um, so I'm pretty shocked. Like, this doesn't you know riot doesn't normally have this issue they're usually better about this stuff you usually can figure this out but it's been several days since the event 
ended the group stage and we don't have this and there's been a lot of questions within the community asking about where this is and just kind of some frustration so i'm pretty surprised that as we record this is still not there so i don't know i think this stuff is important it's really difficult for folks to watch an event that's happening in korea if you're in the west anyway because of of timing um and so i think this makes it even more difficult and i oftentimes think about the casual fan the person who i don't know maybe they they don't even listen to this show or or other shows like it maybe they just like to tune in and they they're like oh i i like watching some games they're they're fun i think that that's probably a lot of people who watch Mm -hmm. um competitive esports and and competitive league of legends and they go to lollysports.com and click on schedule and they're like okay is the event canceled because there's nothing here it's just it's it's a little surprising so i would like it if they were better about this stuff uh speaking of communication either way that's it uh, <laughs> hopefully we should hopefully. have gone with mine last because it would have ended on <laughs> no 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 there. i think but i think yeah. ending on mine is more forward looking uh yeah <laughs> it is and it goes in tune with the rest of the event right so yes yes exactly so hopefully next week's episode is a more positive look at msi because hopefully everything goes according to plan and everybody forgets everything we get some great games etc cetera, etc cetera. uh you know i think emily and i don't like doing episodes like this uh but sometimes there's not really a way around it because you got to talk about the upsetting stuff so emily hope you have a good uh for you know analyst desk exciting hype moment for you in the next couple of days yeah yeah Yeah, i'm really excited to to be on ad uh it's a it's honestly like even with all the problems the tournament said it's an honor and i hope that i get some good games this still has not dampened my passion for league of legends we're looking for something that does has not happened yet in my life i think my brain is broken well i'm hoping that the (laughs) my dampness for league of legends esports from this past week will dry a little bit over the course of the rumble states we'll talk about it uh, when we get to that thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you next week